series today. When I say start, we will barely get started, but I knew that um, ahead of time. That is not a problem at all. We're not in any hurry. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Second Peter. As you can see from your handout, we're going to look at hearts, heart and habits and developing a devotion for Christ. Uh, to some of you, this is a surprise. I did a, um, a, an unwise thing here about a month or two ago, mentioned that I might be going to the, to the book of Esther next. And three things um, happened, and it sort of came together. Uh, one, and I'll just be transparent w- with you, and it's a little bit humiliating, but it's truth, so um, why don't I just uh, share it? Um, the more I plunged into Esther the deeper I recognized that book was and the more ill-prepared I was to stand here with confidence and teach it for you. I recognized I just flat out needed more time. That seemed to converge at the same time when a class member um, shared with me they were burdened personally and as a class for um, a greater devotion and love for Christ for all of us For if we had that, that takes care of everything else. And then at the same time, um, I have a stack of books for reading. I started this um, book a month here, as you might remember, some time ago, and have, by God's grace, continued that. It's been an immeasurable blessing. But I often hear or learn of a book that somebody mentions. I take and I get that book ahead of time, and I have it ready. And one of the books in June, Rich Brown brought to us on a Sunday evening a tremendous message, and he recommended this book, Heart and Habits. And that was my next one up, and I grabbed that book, and I started reading it. And all of those three things came together and has driven me to this series, which we're um, going to look at um, through, I guess you would call, the first uh, semester. And uh, while some of it is repetitive, I assure you, I need repetition, and I'm never concerned about it. Sin is common to all men, and all the things I need, you need too. So, yes, it's repetition, but we're going to ask the Spirit of God to um, help us to see it fresh and anew and um, light a fire of devotion in our hearts for him. And so we're going to begin this morning in this text. It will be our opening text. It will basically just scratch the surface today. But there in Second Timothy, um, you see that this epistle is being written. The epistle is written just shortly before Peter's going to be martyred. Peter knows he's going to be martyred. Christ himself told him that he would, that he would be martyred. Um, we don't know for sure, but um, history, and I don't know how much of it is, is accurate or not, says that he chose to be crucified upside down because he did not um, feel worthy to be crucified in the same way that his Savior was. I remind you, this is the same one that um, denied Christ three times. There's hope for us, isn't there? There's hope for us, us Christ deniers, us sinners, us people that are frail and we fail. 
oh, we identify with Peter. But what a, what a glorious way Peter finished, right? That's how I want to finish. Not, not being crucified upside down. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't guess anybody should want that. But I want to finish well, right? And I know you want to finish well. And, and Peter writes this book because Peter is so concerned about how predominant false teaching is in the culture and even in the church. Would I say things are as bad today when you look across the landscape? And so the same truths that Peter was, was writing this letter to in that day is certainly um, appropriate uh, for us this day. He knew there were many dangers, and, and he knew he had to give the believers the basic truths, the basic hope all over again that there is in the gospel. It's an amazing thing. This is a very short three-chapter letter. And 16 times the word knowledge or a variation thereof is used in this letter. Peter knew that you must know Christ and that the knowledge of him and his word is the only thing that will protect you from the lies of the culture and the only thing that will ignite a fire within you that you'll have a devotion for Christ. And so we going to start this series looking at this passage in Peter. Peter proclaims right out of the gate that we have been given everything, which includes his precious promises for everything that we'll face in this day. Everything we'll face in 2024. So look at it today. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has been granted to us, granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness, through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now for this reason or because of all of this because we have his divine power and because we have his precious promises now For this very reason also, apply all diligence in your faith. Supply. God gives us the power. God given us his word, his precious promises. God has given us his spirit, but that doesn't mean we do nothing. No, we're diligent in supplying what he's giving us, the heart habits, if you will, the disciplines that then create the character of Christ in us for the glory of God. And he he says, supply moral excellence. Uh, The old King James would say virtue. And, And all we do, the very first thing we should look to do is be completely pure, virtue, excellence. That's That's who we are. That's what we do because that's who the one who created us is. And we're, we're to be like him. And then 
and then out of there, knowledge. You know, knowledge without Christ just puffs up. Knowledge without virtue just puffs up. Knowledge without a heart for Jesus Christ just makes you a Pharisee. And so we want habits and we want spiritual disciplines, but we have to understand that the first thing is that love for Christ and that that moral excellence that comes from a devotion to him. And from that knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are, what's the next word? Increasing. That's our job. We, we continue to pursue them. We, we never arrive. We continue to pursue, to pursue all of these qualities empowered by his, his spirit. And so, increasing, and when we do that, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that what you want to be for the glory of God? You want to be useful and you want to be fruitful. Lord, use me. Lord, may there be fruit to remain. I have no good thing in me except you. But God, work in me and through me for your glory. Isn't that the prayer of the believer? Isn't that what we want? That's what we want in 2024. But to do that, we're going to have to take and do some heart checks. And we're going to have to make sure we have some good habits in our life to fuel that. And probably we're going to have to take a look and see when we do the heart check if maybe there's some habits we need to remove, change. So that's ahead as we look at this. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, here's that conclusion. Therefore, now because of all this, one more time, he says, Brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you for as long as you practice, as long as you do, as long as you have the habit of doing these things repetitively, repeatedly, over and over and over again, as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. I don't want to stumble, do you? So we got some things we need to remind ourselves that we need to practice uh, over and over and over again for the glory of Christ. One of the things we need to practice over and over again is sharing our faith. One of the things that God wants us to do is to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And so I'm asking you, I'm asking you to let me know when you're willing to share your faith. I'm asking you to take the pains of writing it down so that you know what you're going to say and then let me know and I'll schedule you here so you can share it. When you share it, Number one, everybody here gets to know you better. It's much easier to connect and to draw close. It's a very, very good thing. We're a big class. There isn't just 10 of us in a room. There's, there's in any given day, there's 100 of us. 
And, and so this is so helpful in us to get to know one another, know how to pray one another, see the, the various um, parts that God used to bring us to faith in Christ. And then secondly, if we share it here amongst friends, amongst people who love us and care for us and accept us in Christ, we'll be more likely to share it out there where it's a little bit tougher. And so that's the goal, and I have two more that have volunteered this morning. And so Sarah Rice is going to come, and she is going to share hers first, and then Marsha Messinger is going to come and share hers after Sarah. Um, I'm Sarah Rice. I think most of you guys have met me by now, but yeah. Um, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. I was blessed to be saved at the young age of three. However, James 1, 3 through 4 also says the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. I grew up in a God-loving, healthy, and happy home, and experienced very few trials when I was young. So while my faith grew through things like starting to do daily devotions all by myself, or deciding I wanted my mom's help to start a Bible study for my friends, or seeing my need to be baptized and following through with it, my faith was still lacking in steadfastness. My first two real and hard trials came around the time of sixth grade. In the first trial, I learned how to cry out to God in prayer, how to ask him why or how long, and trust him when I didn't get an answer, or at least when I liked, a lesson that I often have to relearn and grew greatly in this year as our woman's Bible study studied Habakkuk. In the second trial, I learned how to push closer to God rather than farther away from him in times of struggle. Like James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I also memorized John 16:33. In this world, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Later on in high school, I went through the self-inflicted trial of struggling with anorexia. But in overcoming it, I learned the importance and strength of Bible verse memory. One of the main verses I clung to during this time was Proverbs 31:30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be greatly praised. But most of all, I remember having a whole sticky note wall of verses by my bed and the way that allowed Bible verses to, throw th- to flow through my mind and mouth so often. In college, while at Taylor University, which is in Indiana, although a Christian university, I found myself surrounded by people who professed to be believers but seemed to be okay with a lot of various sins in their lives. I decided since these girls were my roommates, it would be my goal to influence them and help strengthen their walk with Christ. While I was encouraged to see ways I had an impact on them, I was also blind to see the ways that I was allowing them to impact me. I hit a low when for the whole first semester of my sophomore year, I had a double-minded pattern of pursuing Christ. While I was reading his word daily, going to church, wanting to talk about him with others, and confessing my sins, at the same time, I was allowing myself to repetitively fall into temptation for a continual sin that I was confessing in my life. 
This pattern stopped as the semester ended, which was shortly before I started attending Timberlake. As I started attending Timberlake, my life became full of various trials. I started to feel depressed and believed I had no control over the depression that I was allowing to start overtaking me. Then I sought counseling through Timberlake. In this counseling, which I was honestly really skeptical about at first, I was challenged deeply in the ways my faith needed strength and was able to fill so many holes that had been in my theology. I learned so many essential but really difficult pieces to walking by faith, things like contentment, a much greater understanding for sin, and the importance of living by obedience rather than living by feelings. I was reminded of the importance of continual Bible verse memory, a practice that I had sadly allowed to slip in my life. As 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Therefore, most of all, my eyes were open to how I had allowed different worldly influences into my thinking and life rather than relying wholly and fully on the word of God. About two years later now, with many of these trials continuing and some ending, I'm learning, often in a two-step forward, one-step backwards fashion, how to live out the faith I profess and how to take the Bible at its word and apply it to my life without exception or excuse. Yes, praise the, praise the Lord. And uh, Marsha, if you'd come. I don't have time now, but so, so many points on, on that that um, are truth-filled that, that would encourage anybody that would hear them. But just think what that would do to an unbeliever. Would you want to in there or hold it? Oh, I wonder if I could pick up my voice there. And then you keep it up close to you. My parents and I were regular attenders in the Lutheran denomination for Sunday school and Sunday morning services. My favorite memories were the late night Christmas Eve service and vacation Bible school in the summer. At Bible school, I learned the Ten Commandments, Psalm 23, the Nicene Creed, some miracles in the Old Testament, and of course the miracles of Jesus' birth his love for mankind, which led him to show not only his healing power, but his death on the cross and resurrection and ascension. However, never once did I hear a clear gospel presentation explaining my need for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't recall John 3.16 emphasized or explained. My thought process was a works philosophy, trying to please God by the good in my life, and hoping that that would outweigh the bad and the sin. At age 19, the second year of college, when I was learning to be an elementary school teacher, life took a downturn for me as I made some poor choices which affected me in many ways. Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, I was at my low point. Because in January of 1973, I was rushed to the hospital in our hometown for an emergency appendectomy. Upon returning to college, I was very behind in my semester schoolwork and trying to allow my body to heal. I was miserable, depressed, and overwhelmed. As I was alone in my dorm room on February 8th, trying to prepare some assignment, I began sobbing, feeling lots of self-pity. 
With cheerful voice, I cried out to God with these words. Oh God, please show me your, your love. And I prayed as best as I could before falling asleep. My soul knew that it needed to be rescued from the situation I was in. Then the very next day, a male friend noticed me at dinner and asked me what I had planned for the evening of February 9th. I replied that I'd be trying to get caught up on my homework. Randy mentioned to me that he'd like me to meet a good high school friend of his who was in a neighboring dorm if I was willing to meet him that very night. After asking a few questions, I said that I would. That cute young man, Craig Messinger, came to my door in a short time. We met for the first time, finding out that we grew up about 30 minutes from each other in the same county. There was a godly woman who had been praying for her four sons and her future daughters-in-law. She was Craig's mother. And God used her to answer my prayer that night in February of 1973. Later that spring, when I met Craig's parents, we were enjoying conversation and Dairy Queen ice cream. She asked me if I was certain of entering heaven one day. My answer was, I hope so. Then she asked, would you like to know for certain? I asked her, you can know for sure? And that began the journey I praise the Lord for. She gave me a few back-to-the-Bible magazines, which included personal testimonies. And she told me that when I come home for the summer to listen to the local Christian radio station out of Lancaster County, Both the magazine testimonies and the two programs that I listened to that summer, Back to the Bible with Theodore Epp and Glad Tidings with Alan Blair, made the scriptures very clear for me about my sin nature and the sins I've committed and my need for a personal Savior, Jesus the Christ. Before this, I had a little head knowledge, but no heart knowledge about our Savior and Lord. I began reading and underlining the only Bible that I owned, and I realized how far short I had fallen because of my sin. His word convicted me, humbled me, and I finally learned that Jesus paid it all. Verses such as Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, For God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23 The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 10.9 and 13 If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And 1 John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. When I understood how sinful were my thoughts, words, deeds, and desires, the richness of God's divine mercy, grace, and love became real to me. So, one day in the summer of 1973, 
I asked God to rescue me. I repented and asked him to forgive me, to save me from my sin nature and my sins. It's 50 years ago when the joy of Jesus entered my life as I became one of his own, a new creation who had experienced a new birth. I'm so very grateful for the holy scriptures that we have in our language and for the prayers of my dear mother-in-law. For me, before she even knew me, and that her third son would marry me. Her life and witness changed many lives, and to this day there's been a ripple effect, as God has used our lives too to proclaim the only way of salvation through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so I've been here bawling like a baby. That's just me. I, I mean, it never gets old, does it? does it? Does it ever get old that Jesus saves? Thank you. Don't look at this as a comparison. Um, you don't have to be as articulate as um, Sarah or Marcia to share your faith. Spirit of God takes the word of God in the heart of a person as they proclaim what Jesus did for them and the works in people's lives. Now, there's a great host of people here. I can't see hearts, but God does. But I am confident of this. Number one, these two testimonies bless your lives. These two testimonies encourage your lives. These two testimonies, in some cases, brought conviction to your lives. Perhaps there's even someone here who is saying, I'm struggling with sin and I can't seem to get free. And yet, here were two testimonies that showed you how to get free. Maybe there's someone here that's saying, you can know for sure. I mean, you can know for sure. You have heard again this morning, you don't have to have a doubt. You can know for sure. If you're not sure, come and ask and let somebody show you that the same kind of assurance that Lisa, excuse me, Sarah testified for and Marcia testified can become your testimony. Isn't that wonderful? So now who is going to be next? Email me. Um, shoot me a text, let me know. Um, do more than just tell me here because I, I have a thousand people telling me a hundred things on Sunday. So let me know, and I want to give you your opportunity. Five to seven minutes, just like this. Write it out so you know what you're saying, and we'll keep doing that as we're doing the teaching because it's just as important. All right? Now, we're going to just do this one thing. We have just a little bit of time left. And the only thing we're going to do is I want to show you the resources for this study so that if you want to enter in, um, I showed you the one, Heart and Habit. Okay, um, it's by Greg Gifford, and I'm sure that um, Carol would order that for you. You could have it almost instantaneously, and of course you can do Amazon Prime as well. Most of you have seen these before, have heard them before. I've promoted them many times, but Spiritual Distance for the Christian Life by Don Whitney. 
is uh, excellent and very, very helpful. Um, and so uh, I would encourage you that one. Practices of godliness and almost a companion. It's a little bit um, easier or more condensed. The Pursuit of Holiness, both by Jerry Bridges. You Can't Do Wrong by Jerry Bridges. And so uh, those would be a couple. He also wrote The Disciplines of Grace, which is sweet. The last one, I'm not going to say it's the most important, but based on what you heard today, on Friday, MIT 101 is starting. You can go. You, you have an opportunity here at Timberlake that believers all over the world, all of the men that Mark is going to teach, would give anything to be able to be here on Friday night and Saturday and, and attend 101, and then in another quarter, 201, and in another quarter, 301. Most of you aren't going to want to do the last quarter. Most of you aren't going to want to become certified biblical counselors. That's okay. But the discipleship processes that you would learn will change your life forever and equip you to change somebody else's life as you lay out the word in systematic ways for them. It's, it is absolutely revolutionary. And you can come this week by just signing up. It's Friday night, I think 6 to 9, Saturday 8.30 to 3. Yes, it's a sacrifice, but it's worthy. This is called the Confrontational Manual. Maybe you've heard it. It's very overwhelming and intimidating. Anybody who looks at something this big, you want to throw it in the corner. But I want to tell you something. It is a gold mine. It's broken into simply two parts. It's just two parts. It's just two. Two's easy. Isn't two easy? We can all do two. Here's part number one, the biblical foundation for change. You've got something in your life that needs to be changed. I don't know what it is, but how do you change? And there's eight specific lessons from the Bible in here, detailed on how you change. And then the last part, which is the biggest part, is some 22 lessons that are very specific on the applications on how do you change. I already have this marked. I have one at home, but I have this marked because I sit down and open it so often for so many people and review it for myself. It's how do you change when you struggle with fear and worry? Every single thing that you can think of that is a sin pattern that you struggle with in your life, this is a blow-by-blow, verse-by-verse, step-by-step encyclopedia on how to get it right. And so um, I recommend this to you as we look at our hearts and developing new habits and want to have the right truth, the right knowledge to fuel our devotion for Christ. This manual would be great. You can just buy this. You don't have to attend the seminar, the teaching, but the teaching would be very helpful as well. This Friday, Mark Hager is the teacher. Um, Judy and I have taken that. Um, I have helped teach some of those sessions. I'll be honest with you, Mark tried to rope me into helping him teach all the sessions, and I recognized I would love it. I would love to do that, but it just it was more than I can handle. Maybe, maybe in my my second, um, my second whatever.
when I get my second win. So um, that's what we're going to be looking at. Those are some resources. If you don't have any of those resources, the primary one to start with, and I think the newest one, something that most of you haven't read and seen, and it will be easy to go through, it will be enormously helpful for you, is Heart and Habits. Get that book. You can read that while we're going through it. Lord, thank you for the blessing of this day. We look forward to the next hour and for what you're going to do in our hearts and our lives there. Um, Bless us as we're dismissed now in Jesus' name. Amen.